Happy Monday, and welcome to another sneak preview. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Caleb Lugier. And today we're covering the latest Michael Myers killing spree, Halloween Kills. We won't be discussing The Last Duel, as we were both unable to go see it, but I, I do plan on seeing it this week sometime, and I will bring it up on next week's episode. Today is all Michael, all day. But first, let's see what happened last week in film. Last week in film. Big week for trailers. Got five trailers and uh, two first looks to discuss. Let's start with The Tender Bar, George Clooney's new coming-of-age drama that hits theaters on December 17th and Amazon Prime on January 7th. Um, looks kind of melodramatic. I don't know if you got to see this trailer. I did. Cool. I the more I get, the less interested I get in coming of age stories. It's not nothing against like I know they have their place in cinema, and we can all relate to that period in our life at some point. But I don't know. It's just it's the I think why I can't get into them as it goes because like they don't they're all the same to me. Like there's not a lot of variation we can do with a coming of age story. Those family trauma, kid doesn't know what they want to do in life. They got to figure it out on the cusp of adulthood. They figure it out by the end of the movie. Um, I'm on board, particularly for Christopher Lloyd's cantankerous old fart grandpa, because I will watch anything Christopher Lloyd is a part of. I did like him in Nobody. I really liked him in Nobody this year. So, I mean, it has a good cast. It has a really good cast mm-hmm. attached to this movie, but I don't know. Prime's output has not been great when it comes to original films. Uh, they're quickly becoming, in my opinion, the worst. Uh, for original content on stream at least netflix has the occasional gem i've yet to really see that from prime yeah well prime i don't see it on the movie sites they do better with their tv shows like there's a lot of shows there's i like a lot yeah um i know we were talking about before record i just finished watching the four episode dump they did of i know what he did last time which started off actually not terrible but you know they tend to do better with shows but so far their movies the only one I really remotely liked was that Tomorrow War, and that was, I mean, it was fun, but besides that, there was nothing on their movie side that's made me go, oh, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I stopped watching Annette. I was like, I know I'm going to hate this, so I, I just gave up on it. Uh, but, you know, the Tender Bar, it is on the schedule if we want to do it in January. Uh, I've already started putting together the schedule for 2022, and it's interesting seeing what we're going to get to talk about next year. Pretty cool. We almost have a full year of sneak preview under our belts. Uh, looking forward to the rest of the year. No, it's nice when stuff isn't getting delayed all the time anymore. Yeah, feels good. I wish there was a little bit more box office success. It feels like everything is bombing just out of principle these days, uh, which kind of sucks. The movie we're going to talk about is not bombing. It exceeded expectations. Good. It exceed, well, it didn't exceed my expectations, but it was a good movie. Or, I mean, it exceeded financial expectations. I know. It's a play on words. Okay, jackass. <laughs> uh, speaking of jackass, next up, go on. Home Sweet Home Alone, <laughs> the unnecessary Home Alone remake hitting Disney Plus on November 12th. For a minute, I thought you were about to say a new jackass. I was like, look, as the leading person on the team here for jackass, there was not a new trailer, but okay. <laughs> jackass, as in the concept of a jackass, not the film franchise. I'm talking. Who needs a new home alone? Why are we doing this? I don't know. And 
I looked it up. It doesn't take place in Britain. They just, for some reason, kept getting a bunch of British actors. So it has this weird, like, it just seems like they just Britished everything for this movie. Like, but it's the exact same plot. I, I, I don't want to hit on it too hard because I'm sure there's going to be some kids that watch Disney Plus that are going to love it. But, like, look, just watch the first Home Alone. Watch the first two Home Alones. $400 million box office, two Oscar nominees, iconic family film. Or um, Oscar nominations, like, but I mean it, that's enough. We don't need a remake. Uh, I think it's weird that they're putting like grown up Buzz as like a cop. Yeah, and not me, Macaulay Culkin. I'm like, why wouldn't you just get him? Like, he probably said no. <laughs> he probably was like, I don't want anything to do with this. Yeah, that's true. He he said yes to American Horror Story, luckily, and he actually was one of the better parts of this season. Um, I, yeah, I just I don't get it, and I hate that they they got the kid that they got to be the main character because I really liked him in Jojo Rabbit. I thought he was hilarious, especially with the whole missile that accidentally shot. Yeah, <laughs> but I I was like, oh come on, kid! Like he's a comedic talent. Like can we use him in something that isn't a fucking ripoff? Like it isn't just another Home Alone movie. I think I'm going to actively avoid this one. I don't have any interest in watching this. I know it's going to be shit. And I just, you know, I'm going to watch Home Alone 1 and 2 again because those are good, fun movies and don't need to be touched. I don't know why they made like four sequels to those. All of them have been shit. There's no, you know, we don't need more Home Alone. (sighs) That's my soapbox for the day. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I'm not interested in this movie at all. Uh, next up, a movie I didn't know was coming, The Black Phone, a horror movie starring Ethan Hawke as a child killer. It's theaters February 4th. Uh, I know you saw this trailer. Mm-hmm. Now that I see it, I read a super early review. They are fucking praising this movie. This is yeah. being clouded as the re like the re-team up that we've been waiting for of uh oh the fucking director. God damn it. It's Scott Derrickson, right? Yes, there you go. Sorry. Scott Derrickson and Ethan Hawke. And that this is like their best film together since Sinister. Well, yeah. <laughs> what else did they do? Yeah. <laughs> they, apparently they've teamed up more that I, I was like, I don't think they've teamed up that much, but um no, I've been like it to me this looks really good. I really I've read the short story and I really liked it. And it looks like this is going to find a really cool way to expand on it. Um I like seeing Ethan Hawke play against type. I really am that one. That's the part that really kind of has me excited is seeing because he's, I don't think, and Austin might know better than me because I know he's a big, uh, real big Ethan Hawke fan. Um, but I don't think he's ever really played a bad guy. Like he's always been more of a good protagonist type. Off the top of my head, no, uh, thanks to Austin, I become an Ethan Hawke fan finally. I know back in the day I had some choice words to say. Did, I think it's minister, actually. <laughs> I think I realized my problem. I used to confuse him with Josh Hartnett, who I don't like actively. So there it is. I have no beef with Ethan Hawke anymore. I'm actually looking forward to, to this. Uh, but yeah, I don't think he's played a bad guy. I know he's set to play the bad guy in Moon Knight, but he mm-hmm. hasn't, uh, as far as I know, or at least not in anything that I've seen, played a villain. Yeah, and nothing, even when he does Moon Knight, it won't be like this. I mean, he is playing a, like a horror, a horror type horrific human being and i can't wait to see what he what he can do i think he's i mean i think he's an extremely talented actor i usually really like him so i'm very excited to see what he can do 
this movie is I, I couldn't be more excited for this movie. I'm seeing it day one. Yeah, I think me too. Um, it's cool to see 2022 releases getting trailers and getting to put them on the schedule. I know I'm, I've already mentioned that, but I'm going to harp about that schedule pretty much this whole time. It's, it's been my focus. It's exciting. You know, black yeah, phone. <laughs> movie, movie are slowly getting back to normal. Finally getting actual like those long marketing schedules to get us real pumped by the time it comes out and things aren't moving around. But also, I think I read that vaccination rates have been going back up again. So it's not like we're getting in a good place. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll take what we can get. Yeah. Uh, next up, Scream, the fifth installment of Wes Craven's iconic franchise. It's theaters January 14th. Uh, yeah, this looks awesome. Yeah, I think I, I texted everyone in the group. Yeah, you did. Um, yeah, look, I, I've made it known how much, and now that this is coming out, I might have to throw it on the schedule myself. I made it known how much I like Ready or Not. I I really fucking love Ready or Not. Um, I think the guys who did that movie are so fucking talented. And then what they've done with the VHS series, because they have been attached to it, that I just, I really like these directors. I'm very curious on what their take with Scream is going to be and what they're going to do with it. Uh, the fact that you got that original three cast back tells me there was something in the script that they really liked. That, And um, what Kevin Williamson has said that I read on Blade Disgusting has me like primed that this is going to be something special. Um, I know you told me there was a line that gave you chills when you said, Sydney, it's an honor. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was really cool. And gives me the hope that we might finally be moving away from this being a relation to Sydney and it might be like a fan or someone finally breaking away from that. I'm hoping. One thing that I noticed in the trailer that really, I don't know, set this apart from the other movies. I don't know who's playing Ghostface, obviously, but whoever they got playing him in the trailer, at least in those scenes is a tall motherfucker and Ghostface being that tall made him way scarier than he's been in the past. So that I'm excited about that. I think this is going to be a very intimidating, very different sort of ghost face. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, and actually that's, and I'll talk more about when we talk about Halloween kills, but you're really kind of seeing the effects of when the people who were fans of this stuff growing up are getting the reins to direct it or getting it handed to them now. Yeah. And you're seeing that, especially in these, in these horror icons, because I think we're getting some of the best performances from horror icons in years with these new movies because it's clearly fans directing it fans like fans involved in every aspect getting actors that they go this is the person that's going to kill it and you're, I'm, I'm i'll talk more about it again with um james Stewart courtney with halloween kills and what you're saying with scream like we're seeing what what the outcome is when you get a fan attached absolutely and i i i'm excited to see like what that formula does for you know, when we meet Leatherface again, when we inevitably get, you know, Freddy again and Jason, hopefully, to see that in those franchises will just be gravy. Oh, yeah. Oh, especially to me, Jason, if they can work out their stuff outside of court now, get this movie rolling. God, I can't imagine what, like, a fan of that franchise, what they could do with a really good uh, – uh, someone that wants to play Jason Band, like, what they could do with Jason. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> Hell, Yeah. Uh, so Scream, January 14th, looking like the first big movie uh, for us next year. Uh, very excited. 
Yeah, cannot wait. Oh my god. Yeah, weekend of my birthday. That's my that's my birthday movie. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, finally, the second trailer for the Batman, the long-awaited new reimagining of the Dark Knight, starring Robert Pattinson. It's theaters March fourth. Holy shit, does this look exciting? I easily the most anticipated film of next year for me. Uh, this reimagining looks so epic. I think you know everyone looks so well cast, which is cool because all of the picks on every level are completely out of the box. Uh, Colin Farrell, man, I was like, holy shit! It's Oswald fucking Cobblepot. Like this is this is the Penguin right here. It's uh, <laughs> the look, his voice. I was impressed in that. I was like, oh my fucking god! And this is what I hope, man. I have. Um, I have been an ardent defender of Pattinson as of late. When when people are like, oh, the Twilight guy, I'm like, you have got to watch what he's done post-Twilight. Because I'm telling you, the guy's a fucking tre- tremendous actor. Watch The Lighthouse. Yes. I, he he hold, he held his own against Willem Dafoe. Lights out performance there. I'm like, I really hope this movie, because it's Batman, because it's going to be seen by a bunch of people, that this silences the fucking haters finally. People just shut the fuck up. And because I, I honestly think based off these two trailers, he's going to crush this role. I think he he has potential to be maybe the best actor who's ever stepped into the shoes of the Dark Knight. Uh, just from the, the angle they're taking, you know, a confused, angry, bitter, early Batman who isn't quite sure if he's making an impact on Gotham. That's a great angle to take. We get to see, hopefully through this planned trilogy Matt Reeves has, of we get to see Batman become the hero that he's meant to be. And we've never seen that before. That's going to be so cool. I mean, we yeah. got a little bit of that in the Dark Knight trilogy, but you know, the eight-year time jump didn't really help. No, there's there's a lot of issues that Dark Knight Rises did that didn't help conclude it. Um, but I'm also very excited about Paul Dano's Riddler because we've seen so little of him. We got, in the first trailer, you know, we got like a little bit of production footage because they were still working on it with this new one we got a lot of zoe kravitz's catwoman it looks great we got a lot of colin farrell as the penguin we got some andy circus as uh alfred but just a brief glimpse of paul dano and even then nothing to really establish what his riddler is going to be like so i love that they're keeping him a mystery yes <laughs> yes i'm, I'm... <laughs> the marketing for this film is what i think every film should aspire to because it is brilliant so far and I want to praise just the glimpse we've heard of Michael uh, Giacchino's incredible score. Like his Batman theme is so simple, but is so exciting and bone chilling. I'm, I, I cannot say more. Like I can't say enough about how excited I am for this. You know, this, I think this could hands down be, become, if it's as good as this marketing is, could be like the definitive Batman film we've been waiting for. I mean, this film looks so good. And yeah, um, like I said, I think the, the cast, I mean, I remember thinking Colin Farrell for Penguin and then seeing this trailer, I was like, holy shit, okay. I take, okay. It makes me, like you said, makes me very excited to see Paul Daniel now as a riddler because they kept that such a secret and what they have shown other people has been perfect. And then, like I said, I mean, I, like for me, my biggest thing, just because I want him to, I want him to show the haters up, man, It is Robert Pattinson. Like, I remember in that first trailer when, that same way they're like, who are you? And he beats the show of the guy and he's like, he says, I'm Batman line. I believed it. 
for me in this new trailer is the scene where he's walking at, towards the fucking machine gun fire and just taking it. <laughs> like, I, like, oh my god! Was, oh, the, the cinematography, man! Holy shit! The way that 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 scene was shot, all you see is the gunshots and him beating the shit out of people during the the quick uh, flash of like light. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, this is. Oh, this is going to be fantastic. Uh, yeah, so March 4th, uh, I've already put on the schedule, everything we do is going to be Batman-themed that week. <laughs> like, we got Batman on everything. It's going to be so great. Oh, uh, So we got that trailer thanks to uh, DC Fandom, which is going on. Uh, through that, we got our first looks at some other upcoming DC properties, namely The Flash, uh, Black Adam, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, and Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Uh, we didn't get trailers, but we got some kind of production, <laughs> you know, and uh, of these four, I think the one I'm most excited about, obviously the flash, you know, getting to see Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck together is, <laughs> but then black Adam looks intense. <laughs> so I think that's going to rock. <laughs> yeah. Um, Black Adam looks really cool to me. It looks like we're going to see a side of the arc we don't see a lot in movies. Like, you know, usually we get the charismatic, charming, leading guy that, you know, we aspire to be, right? And it looks like he's tapping into the side we don't see often for Black Adam. Like, you can tell he does very much love this character and that brief snippet we got, and I'm very excited to see what he's going to do with it now and hopefully justify why he's just not a villain in the fucking Shazam movie. He's getting his own movie. Well, I was a little worried that they were going to kind of return, you know, kind of uh, retool this character into more of a anti-hero, kind of a Deadpool situation. But it looks like they are fully embracing this guy's sadistic streak. So I think we're getting a, a full-blown evil Black Adam introduction, who's then going to take on Shazam and probably Shazam Three. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I wonder if this is going to introduce him, and then Shazam Three will be when we get them together. Um, but that said, Shazam, I'm actually really excited for that because I actually really liked the first movie. Yeah, I too. thought it was a, a fun, charming little movie, and I'm I'm down for this sequel. I mean, I know Levi, uh, Zachary Levi had his issues with, you know, his character in Thor oh. and stuff like that. So him finally having a chance to kind of get the lead role Super Bowl, I know it was like a big deal for him, and I thought he rose up. I thought he did really great. So I'm excited for that. Um, I'm, I'm again. I'm also. I am excited for Aquaman too. Um, I really. I enjoyed the first movie quite a bit, and I like Jason Momoa. And I think minus Amber Heard, I'm going to enjoy this one. I thought it was really funny that the production video for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom had one brief shot of Amber Heard. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, they could. She did something where they couldn't get rid of her. Like she had to be in the movie, and they're going to do what they can to work around it. Um, what a walking nightmare! Yeah, <laughs> and then like, uh, what was it? The Flash. I am still fifty fifty on this movie because I I've, I'm more excited. Okay, I'm more excited not at the title character, but to see Michael Keaton back as Batman, to see Ben Affleck come back because I actually really like Ben Affleck's Batman. I thought much like Henry Cavill, he got just the worst fucking scripts handed to him. But I thought he was good. So I'm excited to see those two stepping back in. 
I am not the biggest Ezra Miller fan. He hasn't won me over as um, Barry Allen the Flash. And you know what? I'll take Grant Gunston over him. Well, I yes. like I like Grant Gunston's Flash better. I know he mopes and stuff a lot in that show because it's CW, but when they ask him to be like the playful Troy for Flash, he's really good at it. But to be fair, you got eight seasons of Grant Gustin to love him. You got one movie of Ezra Miller's Flash. Uh, and that's true, but we have to also see because it's more like I just don't like Ezra Miller as a person. Like I have yet to watch something. <laughs> I don't know what it is about the guy. Uh, well, to me, it's, you know, that video that came out of him like drunkenly attacking a fan that went nowhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But also, you know, I just I, I don't find him that endearing. I think he's a little weird and not in a good way. Uh, yeah, I don't understand people's like love for him because I don't think I've, I've been like, all right, let me watch this movie and I'll see if maybe I get it. And then I watch me and I go, nope, I still don't get it. He was in the stand on the last couple of episodes. The trash came in and I was like, I don't understand how this guy, I, I don't see the fucking oomph in this guy in any performance I've, I've watched of his. Yeah, I don't understand it. But apart from that, I think Angie Muschietti is going to knock it out of the park. I think he's a good choice for director. And something about this movie convinced Michael Keaton to come back. So there is something in this movie that is worth his involvement. So that proves to me that this is going to be worth it. Yeah. Like I said, that's my that's my only thing. It's the main character of the actor. But everything else about it, I'm into. Like, like I said, I love the two Batmans. I, I'm also the fan of Andy Muschietti. I'm glad to see him do this. But yeah, it's just Ezra Miller better fucking finally convince me, man. Just like I was saying with like Mark Patterson, shut the haters up. Ezra Miller, shut me up. Make me like you in this movie, man. Come on. <laughs> Even his like little bit for the DC fandom was like so odd. Like, was he stoned or like what was that? Yeah, like and he was he was clearly trying to make jokes, but he came off so wooden and stilted. I was like, dude, you're just awkward. I'm not laughing. Yeah, like, show me the footage at this point. I don't just show me the fucking footage. Whereas you know, Black Adam, huh. The Rock is like, dude, we're making Black Adam, and it's gonna be holy shit, awesome! Like he's he's pumped. And also to hear Pierce Brosnan as Doctor Fate say like, I was James Bond for ten years, and I've never been a part of anything like this. Like that's cool. And he, what a great choice for Doctor Fate. I'm so psyched we're gonna see him. And then like Aldous Hodge as Hawkman, bring it on! Like this is gonna be cool. Yeah, I'm really God, I cannot wait for that one. Oh, yeah, cool shit coming from DC. Will they yeah. eclipse Marvel? Not a chance in hell. It's never gonna no, happen. No, I will say this. If they <clears throat> this fandom was any indication, they're and they, you know, they're not doing what I was worried about when with the Suicide Squad box office performance. Yeah, then hopefully they're on track to finally be consistently good. They they're finally showing more. I saw a lot more confidence with their projects in this fandom than we've seen when they first came out that I'm at least a lot more excited for future parks than I ever have been with DC films. That's true. Me too. Uh, like I'm, you know, black Adam has been a pipe dream for almost a decade, but now we, we actually have footage and it's, it's going to happen. Mm. So yeah. Uh, all this stuff looks exciting. Next up. We got our first look at Timothy Chalamet as Willy Wonka. 
in Wonka hitting theaters in 2023. Did you happen to check out that uh, production still? Yeah. I, why, does I he look, why does he look Victorian? This is supposed to take place in like the 40s. I was like, look, man, there's not, there's like almost nothing that's going to convince me and turn me around this movie. I don't want a fucking prequel on Wonka. I don't want it. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, but it's there. <laughs> and eventually we, we are going to have to. to yeah, eventually we're going to be getting a whole lot of Timothy Chalamet in our lives. <laughs> well, that's all I want to say about Wonka. We'll be, you know, that's going to come up all the time. The more this movie goes into production. Uh, David Gordon Green has been tapped to helm a biopic of Walt Disney focusing on the creation of Disneyland. So that's going to be his follow-up to probably The Exorcist or maybe, you know, Halloween. I don't know. But he's probably sandwiched between Halloween and The Exorcist. He's doing a Walt Disney movie. I was like, when does he have time? Because I, I was reading on Blade Disgusting. He's eyeing at directing all three Exorcist films as well. Damn, man. Uh, well, I guess this is, yeah. Disney's after him too. David Gordon Green is hot shit right now. Well, like I said, I know we were talking about it earlier because Josh saw the Joe Bob special before I did, and I actually finally watched it this past week. Um, I mean, good for him. He he really came off like a really cool dude that just likes making movies, and that he was actually a really big horror fan, and the stars aligned for him to get Halloween, and he is running with it and doing what he can now in the genre imagine being a diehard horror fan growing up watching all these movies loving them breaking into hollywood getting success and then you are the guy that revives halloween and then they give you the fucking exorcist <laughs> i mean could this is anybody living the dream more than he is Dude, yeah I, I i don't know he is living it he was i mean on that special he was he was already talking about the script friends he's like oh yeah he's like nick castle's getting ready to look at the script for halloween ends right now I'm waiting for his notes. I'm like, what the fuck? <clears throat> I love that he's going to Nick Castle for notes. Like that's that shows that he respects legacy. Like I love that. Yeah, he was talking about that. He was talking about the Exorcist. And he's like, because you know, Joe Bob's like, well, I heard you made a pretty big pie on the Exorcist there. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, I'm getting that ready. He goes, but I gotta get in a different space for that to like write it properly and do my research to get it right. Because he's like, it's a different space from Halloween. So I got to do it, you know, I got to get in different space to really make sure I get my research right. So especially with the Catholic Church, I want to make those people mad with <laughs> this movie. So he, he's very clearly a fan that's just so excited to be getting these movies and he wants to do right by them. I can't wait to hear um, what he does with or who he gets to do the music for The Exorcist and how they bring uh, tubular bells into the score. Ooh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for that, honestly, more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for his uh, his Hellraiser show. He said it's still pretty early, so he doesn't have a lot to say on that. But forgot it, that he also not. gets Hellraiser. Like this guy, <laughs> God, way to go, man! I'm 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 impressed. <laughs> what if like they finally are able to announce a Friday Thirteenth movie, and it's like, oh, David Gordon Green's directing? <laughs> I would not be surprised, honestly. Like he seems like. He's willing to just take on all comers and do whatever he wants to do. So honestly, considering he's the guy who revived Michael Myers and is going to probably revive the exorcist and maybe, you know, pinhead to an extent, why wouldn't they come to him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'll probably happen. He might not you know, 
he might just take like a producer credit or something and grab like one of his buddies, but any, you know, any involvement by him would just tell people like, this is going to be good. Yeah. Obviously he's really made a name for himself in horror. I mean, he is becoming a horror like director big time. Thanks to like Halloween and excitement for these exorcist films now. But he can also take a little break and make a Walt Disney movie. So, oh yeah, with that, with that, said, that, too. that said, yeah, sure. I'll, t- I'll see what his take on Walt Disney is like. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, like you know. hmm? I was like, I do like his stuff outside horror, like his comedies. And um, I know you said you watched it recently. Joe was really good. If anyone hasn't seen Joe, yeah, check that out. That was, I think, if I'm correct, truly the beginning of Cage starting to come back to us and be picking better movies. And that movie is really fucking good. Yeah, solid, solid drama. I think it's on HBO Max, or at least it was when I watched it. Uh, but uh, yeah, fantastic. David Gordon Green. I think I've said this, and I think I said this on the Halloween uh, filmgasm last night, I mean, last week, that he really has proven that he's a jack of all trades. And that's the best thing you can be as a filmmaker is you can do anything. Yeah, well, like I said, off that Joe Ball special, he, he's a film fan. He's not just some director that was like, well, I like these types of things. I like, I like some movies. No, he, he loves movies. <sighs> he's making them. Thank God. Uh, Millicent Simmons, who plays uh, Regan Abbott in both Quiet Place films, will portray Helen Keller in a biopic titled Helen and Teacher, alongside Rachel Brosnahan, who will play Keller's teacher, Ann Sullivan. Uh, basically, it's the miracle worker just again but Millicent Simmons actually is deaf so I think it's cool that a actual deaf actress is playing Helen Keller yeah good for her she is like I really like her in both cry place movies I think she's has a lot of talent and a good future ahead of her if she keeps getting like really good roles so I'm happy for her yeah me too and I've never actually seen the miracle worker I know the name Helen Keller I have very little knowledge of like what she what she went through. I know she was uh, deaf and uh, mute I, yeah. and blind and blind, not mute, blind. Yeah. Millie uh, with Helen Keller. I know, I know who she is, but look, I'll admit my knowledge of her comes from shows like family guy. Oh boy. And South park and stand up comedians. So mm. I, not the best. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, I watched the miracle worker at some point. Yeah. It's, a, it's a classic. Yeah, uh, and I watched this too. Yeah, same. Like I said, I know it's not the best. I'm just being honest. That's unfortunately where a lot of my yeah. influence come from with Helen Keller. However, this next bi- upcoming biopic, I, I I do know a bit about because I think it's a fascinating story. Michael Shannon will play divisive U.S. Senator Joseph McCarthy in a biopic titled McCarthy. Amelia Clark, Scoot McNary, and Dane DeHaan will co-star. Uh, fuck yeah. Michael Shannon as McCarthy? Bring it on. That is great. I've been waiting this for somebody to tell this story for years. This son of a bitch is one of the most like repu- repugnant slime balls who ever had power in the United States, and the lives he destroyed uh, were irreparable. And honestly, nobody talks about them. Everyone talks about McCarthy and the power he held over Congress. So I very much want to hear this story. Uh, oh yeah, can't wait. I mean, we we always what's the term now? McCarthyism. I mean, that's become a fucking uh, term. No. Uh, so no, I mean I'm down. I like I like Michael Shan a lot. I've always loved Michael Shan, so I'll I'll check this out. Have you ever seen the movie Good Night and Good Luck? No, I haven't. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. It's the story of Edward R. Murrow, the uh, 
newscaster who stood up to McCarthy and like openly said bad things about him, which nobody did because everyone thought, you know, you said bad things about McCarthy. Oh, all of a sudden you were named as a communist. And uh, David Strathairn plays Murrow and they use actual archive footage of McCarthy to, for him to play himself. And it's a very cool movie. Uh, Clooney directed it. Uh, really neat movie. If you ever have a chance to check that out, totally worth a watch. Okay. But yeah, this will be really cool. I love Michael Shannon. And I know one day he's going to win an Oscar. And this could be it. One day he will get his justice. Yes, he will. He's had two nominations, one of which was... You ever see Nocturnal Animals? No, I keep hearing about that many times. Yeah. Disturbing, disturbing fucking movie, but Shannon was the one lone nomination from that film, and uh, well-deserved. Moving on. The upcoming sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse now has a title, apparently. This might be leaked, but it was posted by reputable sources, so I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. It'll reportedly be called Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. It's theaters October 7th, 2022. Uh, yeah, bring it on. The first one fucking rocked. I'll, yeah. yeah, bring it on. Name, look, name it what you want. I'm down. Yeah. You want to watch it? Totally. Looks exciting. Uh, and finally, character actor Will Poulter has been cast as Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which comes out May 5th, 2023. Uh, Obviously, everything James Gunn has done with the first two Guardians has been lights out good. I have nothing but uh, faith in him. To me, you know, he's never made a bad movie. Everything he's done has been fucking gold. So I trust his judgment. And Will Poulter has always been a very talented actor who's been so he's got such a weird look about him that I'm excited to see what he does with Adam Warlock. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much I go your sentiments. James Gunn has not done wrong with me, so I have complete faith. Um, MCU and him together strengthens my fate. And um, yeah, I think Will Porter is an extremely talented actor that's not gotten his due yet. Like he did War of the Mills, which I think is a hilarious movie. But you know, he was briefly attached to it, and then that didn't happen for him. So yeah. hopefully, you know, he really does something here and gets a little bit more of a boost. So I do think I think he's a very talented guy that needs that. But it's just waiting for that boost to happen. He played such a sadistic piece of shit in Catherine Bigelow's Detroit uh, from a couple years ago. That was a dark, dark movie, but he was really good as uh, one of the bad guys. So, yeah, he can he can do it all. I remember when he was going to be Pennywise, and then that kind of just fell apart. Uh, uh, I think it fell apart shortly after the director for that time left when it was Kerry Fukunaga attached. You think that uh, Poulter would have would have done well as uh, as Pennywise? I do actually. I, re- I really do. Like I said, I when I've seen the guy is talented. He just for some reason he he keeps getting passed up, or like people just don't pay attention, or they just keep referencing, you know, we're the Millers. And I'm like, the guys, are like actually really talented. You have to give him a chance. So that's why I'm really hoping this opens some doors for him. I think it will. You know, once you're in the MCU, I mean, you could write your ticket. I mean. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I'm sure for a lot of actors, that's incredibly coveted. Uh, so that's all that happened last week in film. Uh, as I said at the beginning, the last duel will not be covered today. We didn't get to see it. So let's jump right into Halloween Kills. Uh, Halloween Kills is the middle part of David Gordon Green's planned trilogy that began in 2018 with Halloween. 
and will finalize next October with Halloween ends. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, Andy Matichak, Nick Castle, Will Patton, and Dylan Arnold all return. Uh, so here are some of the newcomers. Anthony Michael Hall plays Tommy Doyle, one of the surviving kids from the first film. Hall is one of the so-called Brat Pack, having appeared in such 80s classics as The Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, and Vacation. He was also in Edward Scissorhands and The Dark Knight, among others. Uh, when I first heard that he was going to play Tommy Doyle, I was excited, and I felt he was kind of underused in this film and kind of generic. Yeah, yeah, he... I usually really like this actor, and yet I felt like he was underused a bit and was more there to sprout just keep saying like the most ominous lines of dialogue you could say yeah and obviously keep chanting evil dice tonight because for the love of god people if there's one thing you need to take from this movie it's evil dies tonight until next year that was one thing that kind of bugged me about this film the whole like mob mentality and going after you know the other patient who they thought was Michael, even though he's nowhere near the same build. But yeah, one one person I was watching on YouTube made a comment if they had just cast someone that actually like was built like Michael, that scene would have been fine. Um, I will say the scene I thought was effective in actually being kind of scary in the idea of like mob mentality. I was like, I think especially after the last almost two years we've had in this country, like the idea of like what a mindset when it gets to that point can do to someone. And if anything, I think it, I, to me, it still kind of works, even if he doesn't look like Michael, because it just shows you how dangerous that mentality can get sometimes when well, it's, it's clearly not him, but they do not want to listen. To me, it was less the fact that he didn't look like Michael and more the fact that even though this guy didn't kill all those people, this was still a dude who escaped from a, like a mental hospital for the criminally insane. He is not there by accident. He did some heinous shit. So should we really be thinking of like, who's the real bad guy? Like, look at the mob after that. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that that could have been handled a bit better. Uh, but, you know, we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, Robert Longstreet plays Lonnie, another survivor of Michael's. Longstreet is in the series Midnight Mass. It was also in Judas and the Black Messiah, Dr. Sleep and Aquaman. Oh shit, he was Joe in Midnight Mass. He had a beard. That's why I didn't recognize the fucker. And his character is interesting. You know, we meet him uh briefly. I think he he was in the character of Lonnie, was in 78's Halloween. He's one of the bullies. Yeah, he not he uh puts his foot out and trips Tommy and they and breaks the fucking pumpkin. Yeah, he's gonna get you. Okay. Uh yeah, seeing him deal with Michael in his own way for Michael to pass him up was interesting. Just be like, nah. Well, so uh, you mentioned like, you know, him passing up Lonnie and this movie kind of showed to me again, shows it, especially with the marketing again, Michael never really in the original film. And to an extent that's, you know, the 2018 one went after children, unless they were in the way. And Lonnie wasn't really in the way he did what he needed to Michael wasn't going to worry about the kid. In 20, you know, this one, yes, there's like that scene where it's clearly evident he killed some children. But again, the point when they were the leader for this film was like, this is Michael pissed. He's angry. 
And I think that that was the difference, right? Like, then Michael was doing his thing. He was content, and he went about his day. But now we're seeing angry, and now he will kill literally anyone. He doesn't give a fuck this time. (laughs) Oh, I like the idea. They bring up the idea that Michael never gave a fuck about Lori, that it was Dr. Sartain who, you know, forced them together in 2018's movie. But Michael could give a shit. He, He has no rhyme or reason. There's no, you know driving force it's just murder and i hope the third one you know continues to explore this idea of he is really just pure evil like evil personified like he cannot be stopped in any possible way uh he'll get stopped at the end of how halloween ends and then it's just a matter of time before we see the next (laughs) rise whatever the fuck they want to call the next set of movies i have my own theory about that and I might as well say that now. Um, so as we saw recently with Daniel Craig's tenure as James Bond, uh, some versions of the character, you know, are a self-contained series where the finale really is the finale, or at least that story. And I think that's what's going to happen here with Halloween Ends. I think Halloween kills and ends are going to be its own self-contained trilogy. And I think the only way you can destroy pure evil is with pure good. And I think that's Allison. And I think she's going to kill that motherfucker. Probably, yeah. Uh, I think she's going to... I think they are probably... I, I, I do think they're probably going to kill Jamie Lee Curtis' character off in Halloween Ends. Like, we are going to see her demise in this one. Hopefully, if they do, it better be better than what we got in Halloween Resurrection, because holy fuck. I don't think it could be worse. I mean, she's, you know... This version of Lori is a fucking fighter. She's going to, you know, I think she's going to go out saving her granddaughter somehow. And uh, we'll see that happen. I'm excited. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. Um, Charles Cyphers returns as Lee Brackett. was not expecting that. Uh, he's the ex-sheriff of Haddonfield. He reprises his role from the first two Halloween films, also appeared in The Fog and Escape from New York. So cool to see him again. Uh mm-hmm. Especially, uh, you know, saying his famous line, it's Halloween, everyone's entitled to one good scare. I had the biggest smile on my face. I almost like jumped out of my seat. When that happened, I was like, oh, he said the line. Yeah, that was exciting. Um, Thomas Mann plays young Officer Hawkins in the 1978 flashbacks. Mann appeared in Project X, Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, and Kong, Skull Island. And he did a really good job as young Hawkins. Uh, the fact that Hawkins even survived the first, the previous film was a big shock. Didn't see that coming. Definitely stretches uh, that your suspension of disbelief. Um, I could have believed it had he just been stabbed, but then I was like, wait, he got ran over. Like, <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I completely forgot about the fact that Sartain just went right over his body. Yeah. Like, the stab would have been like, okay, whatever. I've seen this happen before in movies. Like, okay, but I was like, wait, he got ran over and he he looks pretty fine. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> oh boy. Look, don't get me wrong, I was glad to see him back. I love uh Will Patton so much. Yeah. But yeah, it, this was the one minute, and I know I'm saying this in the Halloween movie, and no, I'm saying this shit, but even I was like, he got ran over. What's going on here? Dude, there's something in the water in Hadfield. People don't just die. 
I mean, Lori, like 60, 70 year old Lori took a butcher knife to the gut and then just was walking around the rest of the movie. Uh, Michael took a butcher knife to the fucking spine, got curb stomped, got shot like eight times in the chest. And then he just got up and kept fucking people up, like took on a, a whole lynch mob with a knife sticking out of his back. Like, I don't know what's going on, but you can't kill anybody in Haddonfield unless you're Michael, because he's like ripping people's heads open. Yeah, <laughs> That'll well, do the job. We're, we're talking about some of these stats, because dear Lord, they did not disappoint on a pissed off Michael Myers. Oh, no. Uh, I also want to bring up James Jude Courtney, who is the latest in a long line of Michael Myers's. Didn't really talk about him in our film gasm on Halloween, so I want to shout him out here. Uh, some of his past films include Far and Away, The Hit List, and a Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode in which he played the child-murdering demon Der Kindestad. Remember that? A little bit. He was like a boogeyman haunting a, the wing of a children's hospital. Oh, yeah, that was him? That was him. Oh, shit. <laughs> Pretty cool. And he's the new Michael, and he is doing a bang-up job. <laughs> yes. Um, like I was saying, you know, like I was saying with Scream Man, like, a lot of people, they love to be like, oh, anyone can play Michael. Oh, anyone can play Jason. You just, it's, they don't say anything. They just put a mask on. And I tell people no to both. Cause I'm like, if you get an actor, like a good actor that can emote without saying a word, you notice it. You do. And you notice to me, you notice it in these two Halloween films he's, that he's played the character. And, um, and I'll even give the credit and to Nick Castle. I'll give credit to Nick Castle because I know he does certain scenes. In both these movies, you know, they both show you that no, you do need someone that can actually act out saying a word. Because there are so many instances through his his movements on what he was doing to people that you it said a thousand things in that instant. He didn't say a word. It was just the way he moved or looked at someone. You're like, oh, okay, he's pissed, or oh, he's about fun. you know, like you just you just knew you you knew. You're right. I've, I've been guilty in the past of saying that, you know, anyone can play Jason. Anyone can play Michael. It's just a mask. I'm, I'm, I've said that in the past, but after watching, you know, these movies and seeing what these guys are capable of, I have, I rescind that they are, it is important to find the right person. Uh, and this guy's rocking it. Uh, this Michael is the scariest and most human we've ever seen this character. Mm-hmm. It's, I know. it's wonderful. One scene we'll talk a little about soon, but like one thing I'm thinking of in particular that made me go like you, you need someone that can act out saying a word is when um the douchebag boyfriend Cameron gets, Cameron when he gets killed and that scene when he's walking down the stairs and he just kind of looks at her and he just looks at Cameron and then fucking twists like that look he does said a thousand things like it told me I want to fuck you up but hold on. I want to, you're going to watch me kill your fucking boyfriend. It was this moment of like, oh, you two are together. Watch this. <laughs> like, he's a sadist in this. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, not a single line of dialogue, but you knew what Michael was thinking. I think it's a miracle that knowing what this fucker's capable of, no one aims for the head. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> They got to make it to the third movie. So I know, but still, like, you got a shotgun and you're shooting him in the fucking shoulder. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this man has murdered half of this town's population. <laughs> you're, just, you're just giving him flesh wounds. 
Oh. Um, Halloween Kills has an IMDb score of 6.1. Rotten Tomatoes score of 39%. Far fall from the first film, 79%. But so far, it's grossed about $55 million on a $20 million budget. So it's doing just fine. And yeah. uh, fans seem to really like it. Yeah, and I, I can honestly, like, I'm, I could tell you, Craig, so I'm going to like this, because this is very much like I was... Tony Ford Court, like, you know, someone describes, like, if you're, one thing I read was, like, if you like Friday the 13th, you're going to love this new fucking Halloween. Like, because it's very much, it ups, it lives to its title. It ups the kills and the gore considerably. And that's its biggest focus. So, for me, I walked in happy as shit because I got all the carnage candy I wanted. Um, So, I, yeah, I kind of figured that was going to happen. But, like I said, it's doing just fine. It's making its money. Um, Before we get into the highlights, I I got to tell this story. I text you about it. Go ahead. Apparently, I have a stalker lady at the goddamn theater. <laughs> as, as I'm sitting there in the movie theater, the trailers are playing, and the new Resident Evil trailer played at mine. I don't know if it played at yours. It didn't. Okay, well, they played at mine. And, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it because it's talking back to the video games and all that good stuff. Um but it's, I mean, as soon as that trailer ends, right? I mean, as soon as open, we've just seen this this screen trailer and some the Matrix Resurrection trailer I just played. As soon as that Resident Evil in though, I hear this lady behind me go, "They just don't make anything original and new anymore." And all I could think was like, "Do you know what movie you just paid to see? Are you aware of the movie that you're watching?" That is amazing. That level of like. Zero self-awareness is kind of amazing. <laughs> it ain't nothing new. They sit here and wait for Halloween 12 to play. <laughs> is this 12? This was the 12th movie, yes. Wow, damn. Impressive. But that is hilarious. <laughs> God. And it is funny. This is the second time in like a couple weeks this has happened to you. Yeah, I don't understand. I'm really scared to see something in Virginia now. Like, I can't wait for you to go see Scream, and then you just hear quietly, like two rows behind you, like another one, really. <laughs> <You're just> like, <laughs> like third time's a charm. You just snap and go off on this per- this person. <laughs> I just lose it in the theater. <laughs> Why are you here? Why are you here? Just go completely nuts on her. <laughs> Do you not know what you just paid for? Are you serious right now? Oh my god. I got the Red Rocket trailer, which was odd. I, yes. I got all the horror trailers. I mean, Black Phone, Resident Evil, fucking Scream, Antlers. Like they played every single horror trailer coming out for me. I got Red Rocket. I got The Matrix. I got Scream. And uh that might be it, actually. There weren't a lot of trailers. Yeah, I was um, actually happy about that. I remember when the trailers, and I was like, okay, good. Yes. Halloween kills. <laughs> oh, Eternals. I had Eternals. Okay, yeah, I didn't get any Marvel trailers. Oh, I saw it at Draft House, and they always have an odd assortment. Uh, unless it's a kid's movie, you're going to get straight-up kid's movies. But if you see anything else, you're going to get a variety. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully in the future, you have some more open-minded people seeing movies with you. Hopefully. I don't know how I keep getting stuck with these really close-minded women. It's weird. Yeah. But that, that one especially, to bitch about a new Resident Evil 
not being original while you're sitting in your seat waiting to see Halloween kills. Yeah. That would really get me. I'm like, what? I was like, and even then, no offense, don't talk shit about Resident Evil because the reason they're doing this is because it's harking back to the games much more than the fucking last set of movies did. I still don't want to see it, but I admire your zeal for it. Enjoy yourself. I will. I will with Josh. We will watch it, and I'm going to make you watch it. I don't want to watch it. I won't make you watch it. How? How? What are you going to fly all the way here and force yes. me to go to a movie theater? Yes. <laughs> sure. Um, I have means. I'll make it happen. Resident <laughs> Um. So let's talk highlights of Halloween Kills. Uh, first off, did not expect to be going back to 1978. That was no. exciting. Uh, uh, they pulled it off wonderfully. Like I can't talk enough about how great that looked and how they made it feel like 78. Yeah, just a little like the way they redid the mask was great. Finally, it only took like 40 fucking years for them to replicate the mask from the first movie. Somehow they couldn't pull that off over the 12 movies, but they they figured it out. <laughs> um so that yeah, was nice. Yeah, God, you know, I've been a fan of this franchise for a long time. Yeah. God, I still think about Halloween HGO's mask from time to time. Just fucking, you can see the eyes. And then in a couple of scenes, they had a CGI the mask. Oh, I still think it was either four or five was the worst mask because it was like the dollar store version of Halloween. Like that you could tell they were trying, but they weren't trying that hard. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I know I didn't, I thought fours was okay. Minus, like, there was one weird scene where I think they had to use a different mask because they forgot it or something, and it had blonde hair. So there's a scene where he has blonde hair randomly. <laughs> um, God. But then I remember the Halloween 5 mask, like, it looked like it didn't even fit the fucking actor. Like, they just, like, he put it on, it just wasn't fitting. <laughs> oh, one of the most popular horror franchises of all time. And it really, it took, like, they gave a shit in 78 and they gave a shit in 2018, but everything in between, nobody cared. <laughs> I would argue Rob Zombie cared, but no one cared that Rob Zombie cared. There, yeah, I'll take, <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. I was so floored to see Donald Pleasance uh, in some archived footage as Dr. Loomis again. Uh, whatever they did with that, whether it was a CGI Donald Pleasance or footage from that was cut from the past and spliced into this whatever they did it was seamless and very exciting and worked so well yeah i was impressed i, I thought for sure like he's not gonna be in any of these because you know obviously the actor said they won't honor that but no they they pulled it off and it didn't feel like you know oh how dare they do this it it i liked it it was really neat yeah and you got to see how michael got arrested after getting shot like five times by Loomis. And then yeah, just, finally got, yeah, he just so went next door. <laughs> um, the one question I had in Halloween 22 was like, how the fuck did he get captured? And yeah, you know, this movie finally answered, answered it. Turns out when Michael is surrounded by cops, he will come quietly. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Lewis finally wins on that one. The only respect Michael Myers has is for law enforcement. He will kill as many teenagers as he wants to, but that, that guy respects the badge. 
it was just weird where he just was like <laughs> assumes the position and is just ready to go back to the hospital. You think uh I know we made that joke about Loomis and Michael's relationship when we did our marathon. You think he was screaming underneath that mask, like, no, let him kill me, let him kill me, don't let him take me back. <laughs> it's you and me, Michael, once again. <laughs> Oh, I don't even have I don't have time to explain any of this to the audience. <laughs> Listen to our Halloween uh, filmgasm from last week and you'll get the gist. That's, that's the true anger of this Halloween uh, series right here. The 40 years later, it's just Michael pissed hit everything Lewis has done to him and he got locked back up. The reason Michael escaped in the, in the previous movie is because as he was getting on the bus, Dr. Sartain sat behind him and was like, I've been reading up on Dr. Loomis's hidden files, Michael. And I must say, <laughs> I like what I see. <laughs> and Michael just had a moment of like, no, <laughs> and grabbed the wheel, <laughs> just de- derailed that bus immediately. <laughs> oh my God, we're such fucked up people. <laughs> Anyone listening to this is not going to know what in the holy fuck we're talking about i love it yeah like why is caleb laughing so hard at this oh you had to be there it was great yeah good good times um we'll probably get a text from josh be like this is why you recorded for the commentary yeah oh there you go you just you poke the bear good job i know i did i did that purposely to poke the bear sure that's what they all say when they poke the bear did this on purpose <laughs> uh, but yeah uh, it is weird that Michael just lets himself get arrested but also cool to see him like see what happened that night and Hawkins you know shooting a cop in the throat and then just everyone being like hey wasn't you <laughs> it was the mass killer we just arrested so lighten up <laughs> like he's just gonna be like alright the mass you know, killer who never uses a gun it was him I'm like, yeah. you're going to look at it. Like, what do you want him to do? <laughs> Would have loved out. if they just handed Michael a gun to like get his prints on it and then he just shot all of them. <laughs> he just shot him with them right then and there. <laughs> um, so we open in our regular story with the firefighters taking, you know, going to the burning house. Really simple means of escape. I love that at the end of Halloween, you know, it's like, how does Michael get out of this? And like, well, the fucking fire department shows up. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I, I love his entrance. Oh my God, that entrance when he walks out of the house holding the fucking weapon and the firefighters, that look of, holy shit, it's Michael. Like, like, oh my God, like it just sinks, like, oh my Oh no. <laughs> and they just start revving up like we gotta take him down now, boys. And he just wrecks them up. And it's nice. It's a good start of like Michael was just beaten and he doesn't like that. <laughs> Michael is angry right now. And whereas now, as long as you were in your house and the door was locked, you were fine. No one is safe anymore. Michael is going to kill everyone to prove a point. 
To be fair, a locked door has never stopped Michael Myers before. <laughs> this is true. He usually yeah. is good at tricking people to unlock the door. <laughs> I just love, like, have they ever shown, like, Michael walking up to a house, trying the handle, it doesn't open, and he just, like, shrugs and goes to the next house? <laughs> I would love that. He's like, oh, well, shit, they got me on this one. He looks up for, like, lights, and he's just like, hmm. And then he just goes next door, tries it again. <laughs> I love just, you just see him go, clever gore. And then he just walks off. <laughs> like, oh, no, a bolt, like a deadbolt. Oh, this is the worst. Oh, no, I guess I'll go next door. And he, like, fake walks away. <laughs> like hides in a bush and just waits for the door to open. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they have. Uh, oh, yeah, no, this, this, yeah, this fire first. I remember there was that petition to get removed. Um, go fuck yourself. It's a movie. Because <laughs> uh, this was a badass opening. Like this to me set the tone so well in saying this is the movie you're getting. Before we continue, Carpenter's score, once again, lights out. I mean, a, a, an enhanced, you know, bit for, uh, yeah, or, uh, sorry, he builds upon Halloween uh, 2018 and makes this more aggressive, more, like, I feel like the score for the first one was, like, from the perspective of the victims, like, Lori hearing, you know, bleh, noises. This one was Michael's score. This was his, like, the soundtrack of his killing spree, his carnage. And well done. Jesus. I didn't know, you know, how is Carpenter still pulling new sounds out of this movie? I, I love it. Dude, that dude just, I don't know. He's a master at scores. Like, it is just scary how good he is with scores each and every time. There's a bit of, he's a score called Unkillable that has become kind of the, uh, the staple of this soundtrack, particularly, it is gorgeous. Uh, it might be the bit that's playing when he's killing the firefighters. <laughs> Maybe I didn't listen to it when they released it online. I'm big about not listening to the scores when they release online. Like I wait for the movie to come out. No. I'm so, the opposite. I hear, I watch and hear everything as soon as I can get my hands on it. I did listen to the ghost song that was played during the credits that he made for the movie. But that's because I like ghosts. I forgot to look up that uh, look that up. I'll do that when I'm done here. I was about to say, but I like Ghost a lot. Like I think he's a real good artist. So I was like beyond excited to be like, oh shit, Ghost made a song for the new Halloween movie. Uh after he fucks up the firefighters, he takes out the people who uh run the cemetery just because uh kills a woman with a fucking like kitchen light. <laughs> it's dark. He killed- he kills them with those shitty lights I, I dealt with on the ship, but I didn't realize you could do that kind of damage with them. Well, then he's like, she's dying of blood loss, and he's just like <laughs> shoving knives into her husband's back for I, some reason. I fucking like, to me, you know what it felt like? He was testing the knives. Like, he was like a child. He was testing to see which one worked the best. That's for him. brilliant. I thought he was just like making art, but that makes sense. Yeah, and see, again, this is what I'm talking about, like, that, you know, no, no, not just anyone can play these parts. Like, just doing that scene told you so much about the character. And just seeing him just, nope, not that knife. Mm, not that knife. Like, he just kept going until he just found the knife. He's like, yep, this is the one. And then he left. That's so dark, but that's exactly what happened. That's great. 
I didn't even think about that. <laughs> um, so that's awesome. Uh, Lori in the hospital. Lori never leaves the hospital. Regrettably, uh, this movie does not have a lot of Jamie Lee. Yeah, she gets sidelined a little bit in this movie. Um, but there's, I mean, it was called Halloween Kills, and that part they fucking delivered on. So I thought it was, you know, Judy Greer's character. I get where she's coming from, but she's still like doing the whole I told you so thing. Like she's still being kind of a, a helicopter mom. Yeah, which was weird because I thought we worked past that in 2018, but I guess not. Cause she doesn't tell Lori at any point, you know, he's not coming here. He's not coming after you. It wasn't until Will Patton woke up that he was like, Lori, this isn't about you. I think that they, I think Hawkins needs to be flown to like Geneva for them to like explain exactly how his body was able to withstand like four tons of car. We heard you got ran over, buddy. Uh, Thinking of cars and destruction, that fucking park scene when Michael destroyed Choice everyone in the car. Holy shit. Well, it was great, but like you're gonna give the one liner and then your gun's empty. Really? Like you're just gonna shoot blindly. You're wait for a target. You people have been waiting for this for 40 years. You've been thinking of nothing else. And now you have your moment, you're gonna fuck up like that. Yeah, but I did get that. We got the cool shot after of him stabbing the dude in the eye. That was that was wild. Which I love the look he gave him when the dude put the rope around his neck and that look Michael gives him. Like, what the who the fuck do you think you are? (laughs) 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 Just even his stab was just like, get the fuck out of my face. (laughs) Know your place. You're gonna hit the king, you better kill the king. (laughs) This is great. Yeah. Oh oh my god, probably one of my favorite deaths. (laughs) The chick comes in with a pistol, right? So it's like trying to shoot the car. And Michael just kicks the door and causes her to shoot herself. That was oh, so ridiculous. It was. It reminded me of uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, our filmgasm this week. Like when the kid is just like trying to figure out how to turn the safety off and he blows his brains out. It's, it was so ridiculous, but it was like, it was great. It worked. Yeah, that was that was brilliant. I, I'm not gonna lie, I, I laughed a little bit when that happened. I was like, "Oh my god, yes!" I like how they managed to keep uh, a lot of the side characters you see in the first film who didn't really have names and just had like little bits. They're more fleshed out in the sequel. To, you know, keeps in mind that this is all one night, all one town, and I like that. One night, one small town. That's really having a fucked up night, to say the least. Well, I think it's cool we get to see just how the the uh, crimes of Michael Myers have poisoned this town, has turned them into paranoid, crazy people who fear Halloween, and like they are, you know, they're they're afraid of the boogeyman, and this is just worsening it. We see that with the vigilante mob, like evil dies tonight. Like they need this to be over. Uh, it's crazy. It's it's cool. This we've never seen the impact Michael has had on the town before, and this is quite exciting. Yeah, I know. Like some people are kind of like this is where like a lot of problems come in for some people was the constant evil dice night chanting and the whole mob thing. To me, this worked because it 
for once, you know, whereas the first one really kind of went back to focusing on Michael and Lori and her family, this one to me felt like it was focusing more on the town of Haddonfield. This and made the town and its inhabitants more of a character. And so for me, it it to me it worked having it the mob stuff because it really like yeah this only happened once 40 years ago but it's still a part of the town's history that makes them that a lot of them remember and so when it happens again yeah they understandably lose it because now it's like holy shit it's you know it's been 40 years he's escaped he's out there again like yeah you're going to lose your mind because you know it's what he was what he did last time what he's already done in the night as was being reported in the news and what he's continuing to do. And so, yeah, you're going to lose it. You're going to freak out. You're going to want justice quickly. And if, you know, as we've been seeing, if the cops aren't going to do it, a lot of people, you get oh. enough of them to go with the they're going to take care of it themselves. Dude, seeing the cops, especially with the sheriff with the, the cowboy hat, who's been so ineffective, uh, see him lose control was weird and crazy. Uh, uh, yeah. I love the uh, the bit where they we got to see the silver shamrock masks again. That was a nice little nod. <laughs> and definitely killed one of those kids. He was definitely holding a severed head in that mask, I felt like. Yep. What if this is all just to get candy? Like, that's all he's been doing is every time he murders, a, you know, kills a household, he's, he's stealing their candy. And somewhere... Somewhere is like a cave just full of like pillow sacks of candy. <laughs> oh my god! Like I'd love to see what does he do when it's not Halloween. Like as soon as midnight rolls around, is Michael just like look at his watch, take off the mask, and like go get some cocoa and just rest up till next year? He plays a whole lot of Call of Duty. <laughs> uh, I feel like he's more into like you know, Silent Hill or some, like, dark shit. Resident Evil. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I like to just think about what does Michael do in his spare time? Makes me laugh. Uh, oh, windows, apparently. But, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, like I said, I really did like that mob mentality. Again, I know some people are going to have issues with it, but I, I really liked what they what they did with that and what they what they were exploring with that. Let's talk about Big John and Little John. <laughs> oh yes, let's talk about Mad TV and his partner, <laughs> the couple who live in the Myers house now and are so ridiculous. But I I love That's them. I like them. They, they made me laugh. They're hilarious. Uh, Michael McDonald especially. I. He's he's so funny, and I did not know he was in this. <laughs> I like when he's then they hear the noise, and the guy's like, "Hold on!" And he puts on the much bigger weapon he had in his hand to get the cheese knife and take off his shirt to be in his den. Much he's like, "All right, let's go." I love that he's just in the den, like creepy dancing to Halloween music, <laughs> like alone. <laughs> of course, these guys would buy the Myers house. Yeah. And then Michael shows up and fucks him up, but like sets them up. Oh, like, <laughs> that eye gouging scene. Holy God. That was over the top vicious, but it's really cool. Even I was like, cr- I've seen a lot of fucked up shit, but even I was cringing there, like, oh, oh, oh. 
I wonder what this whole thing about him, like staring out his sister's window. I wonder if, if they're going to like explore. I hope they explore that further. I think they should just drop it. Never talk about it again. <laughs> just really? never bring it up in Halloween ends. Really? <laughs> I want like I want some explanation. Like, what if he's like the direction he's looking is actually like some like pirate treasure or something? And the third it's, movie is a treasure it's, hunt. It's Loomis. He's deeply thinking about his time spent with Loomis. <laughs> he's looking back at the hospital and just remembering all of his quote unquote therapy sessions. No, but they should, you know, go back into that. Um, yeah, so the eye gouging was vicious. Uh, uh, yeah, I wasn't. I've seen some eye gouges, man. I've I've seen Game of Thrones, but fucking hell, there was something about that one that was just extra <laughs> vicious. There's something I don't know about the it's just the way that Michael carries himself or something. But the strength on this son of a bitch is terrifying. Yeah. I, he believe like I mean, he loves to smash heads into into walls. It's like his favorite thing to do. Yeah, I did like the little scene when he's like clearly knocking on their door to get in, and then I think it was a uh, Big John. That's right. See, their names are opposite of their actual size. Big John was like, "Hey, did you close the back? Did you lock the back door?" And his face just oh shit. And he goes and sees it. And he's like, "Uh, we have someone in the house now." And I'm <laughs> thinking like, "Oh shit, dude, Michael's in your house." I thought it was funny when uh, oh we got to finally see some mourning for dad, which was nice. You know, yeah. Got... <laughs> I was glad they brought that up. And then like so... Lonnie saying about like Ray, like oh yeah, he used to sell me peyote. When like in the first one, Lonnie's like Ray sold Lonnie peyote, or Lonnie sold Ray peyote. Like they're both lying. So... One of them's lying. Yeah. <laughs> what we do know is that they definitely did peyote together. Yes. I also thought it was interesting <laughs> that like they're all very aware of what Michael's capable of and at the end when Lonnie and Cameron and uh, Allison show up at the house they fucking split up. <laughs> yeah, I got so okay, I got it at first. Like when Lonnie went in himself, I kind of understood that. I'm like, okay, he's a parent. He doesn't want something to happen to his kid. I got that. That was I got that part. But when they both went in and then split up, I was like, okay, you got you are both in there now. You know what's capable? Why are you both splitting up? Again, I understood the dad because that's his kid. Obviously, you know, he's not gonna want to put his he had that moment of clarity, like, oh shit, do I really need to put my kid in this kind of danger? Um he drove him there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, um but I mean, that said, Cameron's death, holy fucking shit. They, I think David Gordon Green knew how much we didn't care for him. And just gave us a, a brutal death. I thought it was odd to give him such a big role in this movie, Cameron. Yeah, but I mean, again, to me, it's attention to detail. It's like taking the characters you already established in the first one and utilizing them more in the sequel. Yeah. Um, um, but it's like I said, that death, man, <laughs> when he put him through the banister and it was like fucking moving him around, and you can, the sound effects, as he's just like clearly. Shit's getting punctured constantly. Michael's just thinking, like, you don't throw a girl's phone into pudding. Just like, <laughs> you piece of shit. That, that's probably why he looked at him when he was coming down the stairs. And he's like, oh, you threw her phone in the pudding. Funny if, she, if he get, he's like waiting for approval from Allison, like, see, I did that for you. <laughs> you can do better. 
<laughs> she can have a real man. Hi, Michael Myers, old friend of the family. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so I want to talk about the lynch mob scene when Michael finally gets a little bit of a taste of his own medicine, which uh, is yeah. I do mm. like the I like the lead up to that too when he's about to stab Allison and she's like, do it. Cause I'm like, okay, why does she keep saying that? Like I thought maybe she's trying to go out tough. Okay, cool. And then you see her look behind her. I was like, oh shit, Judy Greer's there. And sure enough, yeah. But then she leads them with the mask trick mm-hmm. out to the lunch mom. I thought that was a really good setup for that. One thing I was thinking, like, there's no way Allison can is gonna hold off that knife. Like <laughs> not after what he did to Cameron. Like, I can't express said enough between the eye gouging and what he did to Cameron no there's no way but then everyone shows up with you know bats and guns and knives and this circle Michael and Michael's like a wild animal just like cornered and oh they fuck him up happy Halloween so good I I like how not only did you know we mentioned earlier Sheriff Brackett says his line to Michael but Michael puts his mask on if you notice that before he does anything he still reaches down to put that like he can't do half his shit unless he has that mask. I want to know why. I, I feel like Green's the guy to tell us why. And I, I, I hope in ends we do get some answers. It would be nice, you know, to get some non-Cult of Thorn mm-hmm. answers. Oh, God. Yeah, no more. I don't need Cult of Thorn answers. Uh, but, yeah, dude, I will say they, they did fuck him up for a bit in that lynch bomb. But, like, they... Even I was like, even I at first kind of, I had a second why I fell for it and I was like, aren't they supposed to like make another one? Like, this supposed to be Halloween ends, right? Like, what, what the fuck's going on here? It just, I love when he's on the ground and he reaches towards the knife with his hand trembling. Like, we've never seen Michael vulnerable like that before. It was a really cool moment. And then Karen grabs the knife and just shoves it in his fucking spine. <laughs> And then he just gets up and kills everybody. <laughs> yeah. He has like a last minute rage moment. Did he kill and, Tommy? I don't remember. Yeah. Because remember, Tommy's going home with a bat and he grabs the bat and bashes his face in with it. Yeah. Okay. I remember that now. Um, I was not expecting Michael to just randomly show up and brutally kill Karen. Did not see that coming. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I thought for sure Drew would like be a player through all three films. While Lori's given her little voiceover of like how Michael is the essence of evil and you can't kill evil like that. Like, yeah. With the transcending speech, which I remember seeing the trailer going, oh, fuck, are they going cold thorny on me now? But it actually, in the final product, it worked really well. It was actually a really cool scene. Yeah, for sure. Oh, Halloween kills. Um, any other scenes you want to highlight? Anything we missed? Oh, uh, that's... Uh... No, not really. I mean, I, God, I think we, yeah, no. I did like the little moment, um, it's a little moment when she was in the hospital and her and little Pat are having a little talk um, to each other about like a past relationship that never was. That was a nice little moment that I liked a lot that did humanize her and actually made me think, is he the father possibly to Judy Greer? Because they've never established who her father is. Ooh, maybe. Well, no, 
Isn't she? She said she was twice divorced. Oh, that's right. In the first one. Yeah. But they could still throw that one out. I mean, it does feel like they never got to have their moments. Maybe they never hooked up. Uh, well, they, they name drop Ben Tramer again. That, yeah, uh, that poor that son was... of a bitch who got just railed by a car in Halloween too. And she was become like such a character in the community, like the Halloween fandom. Um, that was actually funny. I forgot. Uh, Joe Bob asked about him when David O'Grean was on the Halloween hoedown. He's like, he's like, I have to ask, are we going to hear anything about Ben Tramer? And David O'Grean is like, you gotta watch to find out. Like he played it coy. He was like, uh, watch me, you'll find out. And, and I'm like, and I was like, is, are we going to see it? Because I think he asked, like, are we going to see Ben Dreamer? He's like, you'll see. In this continuity, he ain't dead, so maybe. I hope so. I, You know what? Justice for Ben. Bring Ben back. Ben Dreamer. In the original cut, he's the only poor son of a bitch who actually wanted to go as Captain Kirk for Halloween that year, and it got him killed. <laughs> <laughs> so... I think yeah, justice for Ben. I'm on. I'm on board with that. <laughs> I want that to trend at some point in my life. <laughs> uh, I give Halloween Kills an eight. It was, you know, I think the first one, the previous one. I keep wanting to say the first film, but it, this is the twelfth movie, so it's not the first film. I the eleventh film, the previous movie. I thought that was better, but I did enjoy this. I don't. I you know, we've seen the worst of the Halloween franchise, and this is far from it. Uh, Kills is a good movie, I thought An exciting movie, an entertaining movie, and a brutal movie And I'm excited to see David Gordon Green's finale next year Yeah, I uh, I agree I'm giving it an 8 Really enjoy the hell out of this I like seeing Haddonfield more of a character um, In the mob mentality Again, it worked for me I know it might not work for everyone Loved the uppage of the gore And the brutality I was a big fan of that. Fucking loved it. Um, James Hugh Courtney and Nick Castle cannot praise enough for showing everyone that, yes, you need a fucking good performance for this type of role. So many little scenes work because of them. So I really liked it. Eight for me. I am excited for Halloween ends. Hell yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, hope you had a good one. We certainly did. Next week is a bizarre potential double feature in theaters and HBO Max. We've got Denis Villeneuve's Dune, finally. And in theaters, we've got Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch, finally. Two long-awaited movies that got uh, pushed last year we're finally getting. Both have potential to be major players in the 2022 Oscars. And tune in next week to see what takes priority on the sneak preview. Spoiler alert, it probably won't be Dune. Not me doing because guess what, Dennis Villeneuve? I'm watching it on HBO Max. Yeah, me too. I, I don't I don't I'm care not. for your tone, Denny. Yeah, listen here, Dennis. I don't like your tone you've been using. I hate referring to him as actual man until he is a nice person. <laughs> Wes Anderson just wants you to see his movie, possibly with a nice espresso, maybe a macchiato, and some colorful wardrobe choices. So, and you know what, Mr. Anderson, I'm happy to oblige. Damn right. Uh, this will be the first Wes Anderson movie I see at the movies. Uh, pretty cool. Nice. So, 
in the meantime, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Filmgasm Productions, easy to find. If you want to suggest films for us to check out or just shoot us some feedback, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or, you know, send a message through our socials. If you want to support the show via Anchor, you can always click on support this podcast on your preferred podcast provider and send us a little green if you want to. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Don't miss Tucker and Dale versus Evil on Wednesday's Filmgasm and the Grand Budapest Hotel on Oscar Sunday. Have a great week and keep watching movies.